this podcast is brought to you by the Gosh Learning Academy. Hello and welcome back to Gosh Pods. This week we've got a real treat for you, the first of a two-episode series called Microbiology Matters. The brilliant Anthony D'Souza will be speaking with colleagues about antimicrobial resistance. We hope you enjoy this week's episode and I'll hand over to Anthony. So welcome everyone. Uh, my name's Anthony. I've previously worked in microbiology and I'm currently a practice educator. So I've assembled you guys just to have a chat about antimicrobial resistance and what this means to you and what this can mean for the future. So if I could get you, um, Ben, first to introduce yourself and your job role, please. Hey, I'm Ben. Uh, I'm a education manager in the Learning Academy. Excellent. And Harriet? Hi, I'm Harriet. I'm a business support manager in the Learning Academy as well. Excellent. So um, the first kind of topic is what does antibiotic resistance mean to you? Uh, Harriet, do you want to start? To me, it kind of is quite a scary prospect. Um, and it makes me think that antibiotics will run out and then we won't be able to treat serious things. Um, I used to work in sexual health and um, uh, antibiotic resistance was mentioned there in terms of gonorrhea and things like that. I think that's definitely one of the scarier aspects of antimicrobial resistance if you pick up an STI or a urinary tract infection, anything like that, which um, can probably be quite nasty anyway. The last thing you'd want is an antimicrobial resistance strain, um, antibiotic resistance strain that doesn't get treated easily. So that's, yeah, that's definitely one of the, um, one of the risk factors with antimicrobial resistance, just because of the numbers of people it affects and um, how easily sexually transmitted bacteria transmit between people. Ben, what are your thoughts on um, anti antibiotic resistance? Uh, well, it's, it's pretty scary. Um, I guess kind of from my understanding is that not a lot of new types of antibiotics have come out. Um, for very, the, I guess uh, what I read was the pipeline, actually, there's, there's not a whole lot of new generations. And we're quickly um, kind of reaching breaking point. I mean, uh, people hear a lot about MRSA and stuff in, in hospitals. Um, and, but, you know, I, I've read stuff in the news about tuberculosis, uh, probably one of the scariest things potentially becoming antibiotic resistance. I think there was a strain in India that, that practically um, was resistant to everything. And I, I know that was, that's been a big concern. I know they use, obviously, in agriculture, they use a lot of antibiotics. So what I understood is actually some of the biggest fears should be what could come out from other environments actually and then then you know make it make its way into the human chain i suppose um, yeah that's yeah. definitely a big definitely a big thing um one of the last um they're called last line defenses some of these antibiotics are one of them's called clistin and they tracked down resistance to this last line of defense um this antibiotic called clistin to a chinese pig farm um which is now obviously transmitted kind of like, I guess the world of COVID now, you kind of see how interconnected things are and people are 
etc and just because something happens on the other side of the world doesn't mean that it stays there um, and as you said things that happen in agriculture the amount the tons of antibiotics that are used um, for livestock etc um, does have an effect and even in Holland they use antifungal drugs for um, tulip farming um, so there's some <laughs> antifungal resistance coming through it's a bit slower but there's more that's more that's detected just because of you use something more it's more likely to be become resistant um, so I've got some facts for you guys um, which sounded scary to me when I looked at them so um, hopefully you should be a little bit shocked um, so in, this was a report from 2015 so I'm sure the situation's probably worse now but at the time there were 700,000 deaths due to antimicrobial resistance so this was a low estimate of deaths they said um, so and at that time the current cancer deaths were 8.2 million diabetes was 1.5 million and road traffic accidents were 1.2 million so deaths by antimicrobial resistance are projected to be 10 million in 2050 um, which will cost 100 trillion US dollars that's really scary which is yeah. really scary um, yeah. and that, that's not comforting <laughs> and that equate, I don't know why I'm smiling so much that equates to one person dying every three seconds which is a lot um, but I in my mind, I always equate this a bit with climate change, how when things seem further away from you, you think there's loads of time to sort something out. Um, and that's kind of the problem, I guess, when it's like a future problem and you're not seeing, you're seeing some of the effects, but they're not, you're not necessarily seeing them in your face, you know, all the time. You can kind of become a bit complacent towards it. Um, so yeah, that's pretty bad yeah then another fact for you so out of 40 million people who were given antibiotics or respiratory issues in the united states 27 million of them get antibiotics unnecessarily um, whilst 13 million get them as needed so that's massive overuse um, I, I I can vouch for that. Um, oh yeah, I will I will tell you as a kid I um I was probably given antibiotics far far more than than required. Um, I'm, I remember being a kid in the states as as well. Um, I mean they used many prescriptions. Oh, oh there's overuse of all prescriptions, but certainly, um, yeah. I guess if they give you the antibiotics as well you're obviously paying for them i mean i'm not trying to like insinuate that they want to get money from drugs and stuff but and i guess if you've got patients that want them as well and genuinely think they need them um that's a lot of pressure pressure to withstand from the public when you know you're technically there to help them and what they if you don't give them what they want to hear or give them what they want and that's like your 20th or 50th patient that day um, it must be quite wearing as well. I think and there's aside, like... Oh, sorry, ben. Oh, sorry, you go hear it. <laughs> I was just going to say, aside from just the fact that it means it's more likely to cause um, resistance, it can't be good for the people either. So, you know, them taking antibiotics when they don't need to, what kind of thing, what kind of sort of damage can it cause to their body? 
So I guess with any drug that you take where you don't actually need it, it's going to harm you, um, harm part of your body in some way. And in the case of antibiotics, it's kind of harming your normal flora or the bacteria on your body that kind of live on you, that kind of protect you from bad bacteria. If they're like on your body kind of um, taking up space, it means bad bacteria can't attach to you and then multiply. Um, so it's really destabilizing when you take antibiotics when you don't need to, especially if they're like broad spectrum ones that kill a lot of different types of bacteria. Yeah. Um, so I thought what we could do now is go through a couple true or false statements and then just get your thoughts on them. So antibiotics won't cause resistance if I take them correctly. True or false? I would guess false. Ben? I would say false probably as well. <laughs> You're both correct. So basically antibiotic resistance is kind of natural selection. You're putting pressure on a population of bacteria to survive against all odds and they will do their best and evolve um, as fast as they can to survive. So it is false. So any antibiotic use puts pressure on them to gain resistance. So you're correct. Uh, second, so it's our bodies that become resistant to the antibiotic, um, so they no longer work. False. Yeah, false. Yeah, so... Yes, rather than the body. Exactly. It's the bacteria within the body, not the body that can't process the drug. So third, um, I've never taken antibiotics, so I cannot yet I cannot get a resistant infection. Oh, that's false. You definitely can, I think. <laughs> yeah, because if it's the bacteria that's resistant, then you could get that one, um, which you then can't be treated for. You guys are good. Yes. <laughs> so you could be completely have no resistant bacteria in your body at all you could take a short trip to hospital or a no broken arm or something or minor operation and then you could get bacteria on you that are really resistant um so you can get them that way you could travel to an area of the world or a city etc which has really high local rates of antibiotic resistant bacteria you could eat the food, you could drink the water, and they could become part of your system um, for a period of time. And that may or may not cause issues depending on your um, health, etc. That's scary, because yeah. although I knew it when I was thinking about it, that's not something I've kind of thought of generally in day-to-day -day life. And I think probably people might think it's, oh, people who take antibiotics all the time are more likely that's more likely to happen to them, but it's not at all. And that's one of the scary things about it. And it obviously needs like a global approach because for instance, you know, the UK potentially could be doing a very good job in terms of um, using antibiotics appropriately. But if you get contamination of the environment with antimicrobial resistance bacteria, it doesn't matter how well you've taken antibiotics during your lifetime. If you get these bacteria in your system, you're in the same position as everyone else, um, which is kind of why it goes back to what Ben was saying about agriculture, why that's a really important point. 
um, when you're using tons of antibiotics in the agricultural um, agriculture, um, and there's the same antibiotics that are used to treat infection when you get ill, um, you're kind of lessening the potency of these antibiotics to help you, to help you get better. Um, so that's really important. I, I also, um, obviously, uh, if you've traveled to countries that where you can get antibiotics over the counter, um, I even know it's stricter here actually in the UK than it was in the US because I remember used to be, you can buy an antibiotic creams over the counter in the US. And then when I actually uh, had a skin infection, I, I went looking in a UK pharmacy and they're like, no, you can't just buy that over the counter. I was like, well, actually, that's that's pretty reasonable. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it, it kind of certainly doesn't have a global approach from what I've experienced, but obviously it, it won't make a difference unless everybody kind of, you know, um, certainly in industries as huge as agriculture, it kind of makes a moot point unless everybody's on the same page. Yeah, I was given antibiotics in Guatemala, didn't know they were antibiotic, um, didn't know what I was taking. And it was the ones that begin with M, the way you can't drink with them. And so they, yes. And then I drank and then I got really ill. <laughs> and then I looked them up and I was like, why did they give me antibiotics? It must have just been a misunderstanding. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was annoying. And this is one of the things as well that's quite important about um, possibly developing countries or even countries that don't have a wide variety of currently used antibiotics within stock. If they give you the best match that they can for the infection that you can, um, that can drive resistance as well. They need to have good, a good variety of antibiotics to choose from to treat certain infections um, in a more targeted way, which is important. Um, they, um, oh, yeah. they they do genetic testing now, do they on or not? Sorry, um, uh, they yeah they test the resistance of a lot of the. I know for staff, right? They do it. Um, obviously, I'm terrified of staff, as you can tell. But uh, yeah, from what I understood, they do test the resistances, uh, right? And they, they should give you one that obviously is not um, resistant. Yeah. So that's quite a time-consuming and expensive. <laughs> yeah, expensive, definitely expensive um, test. So we do do that for certain things, especially like TB, when there's a really long treatment. Um, and you can get a lot of treatment failure if something does harbor resistance. Um, so for some things, yes, we do do that. Um, sometimes because something has a gene that says it will be resistance to a, resistant to a drug doesn't always translate that way. Um, but it is a good indicator, obviously. Um, so some things we will do that. But yeah, I mean, there's a big, there's huge importance in terms of diagnostics and getting results as quickly as possible, as accurately as possible um, to treat things as soon as possible. The sooner you start treating um, an infection, if it needs treatment, then the less severe it will be and the shorter duration of antibiotics you have to give or shorter the course, etc. So you kind of want to reduce um, as much as possible. Um, right, next or last question I should say is what could this mean for your family? So when you think about antibiotic resistance um, for yourself, obviously it kind of feels different to the way you would 
um, think about it in terms of your family. So I'll talk about this one first, give you guys some time to think. Um, so for me, I always think about when my nephew had appendicitis and his appendix ruptured. Um, obviously he had antibiotics, which meant it cleared up any bacteria going into his bloodstream, but any sort of um, gut surgery or anything like that would pretty much be really deadly um, without antibiotics. And, you know, I don't know what the mortality rate would be um, for that, for an exploding appendix, but appendix, not appendix. Um, but, you know, that's really scary. Things like cesarean sections, um, you know, bone marrow transplants, I guess wouldn't even happen. Cancer treatment, I don't think you could even have without having access to antibiotics. The risk of infection is so high. Um, I don't know what would happen. Yeah. So do you guys have any thoughts about, um, in terms of family, um, how do you think they'd cope in the time of 2050? Well, antibiotics and you may have a urinary tract infection or some sort of infection <laughs> and there is no antibiotics to actually get. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, my mom has to take long courses of antibiotics. She has um, a lung condition called MAI. Um, and it's it's kind of an abnormal um, kind of bacterial infection that re I guess resembles tuberculosis. And um, so she's on periods, long periods of antibiotics, which is never good for you. And she has some health complications from that. Um, so I do kind of think about them certainly sometimes i'm uh also i'm actually allergic to quite a few antibiotics so i think certainly from a personal perspective uh, um i can't really take that many of them without uh, breaking out in hives so um yeah i guess if there's a limited choice in the future i'm not gonna be very well off so <laughs> um yeah i i didn't yeah i never really thought about uh, but surgery certainly i you know i mean anybody any one of us could could require an, any type of surgery that just mentioned so i mean it, it should be should be everybody's concern for for yourself or your family yeah i think that's what's scary that you know you mentioned utis and things so if you just think of that as quite you know a my a mild minor thing but actually if you can't that can't be treated by antibiotics it, it means even just small things that we take for granted can cause issue. And that's quite scary. Um, and yeah, the surgery thing, my, my partner uh, was hit by a car a few years ago and he had surgery on his shoulder um, where they put a plate in. So then had to have surgery again to take it out and it got infected that time um, and took ages to heal. And obviously he was put on antibiotics and stuff and yeah, it's kind of bad enough even with the antibiotics. <laughs> yeah, and if yeah. they didn't work. <laughs> yeah, if they didn't work, I mean, well, he'd probably die. So it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of crazy. It affects everyone. And um, yeah, I feel bad now. Definitely, definitely not good. And if you think of what suddenly came to mind at the moment is sepsis and in the trust and admission of antibiotics as soon as possible, etc. Um, if you suspect someone has bacterial meningitis and things like that, like what would happen if you just couldn't give, you know, certain class of antibiotics? Or if, as Ben said, you're like you're allergic and then you can't have 
the ones that they have. Um, really, really something to think about. Right, guys, I think we'll close there. Thank you both for um, attending and being such fantastic guests. <laughs> weird to say that. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gosh Pods. If you want to listen to more brilliant educational podcasts from the team at the GLA, please search Gosh Learning Academy wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more about the work of the GLA by heading to the GOSH website at www.gosh.nhs.uk and searching Learning Academy. We're also on social media. You'll find the links to our Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn in the episode description. We hope you enjoyed this episode and you join us again soon for another instalment of GOSH Pods.